in literacy lesson number three, I talked about the physical environment, 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 environment. If we're going to understand how we cultivate literacy, we have to understand the environment in which that cultivation takes place. So in lesson number three, I outlined all the different things that are different about classrooms today, increasingly different than they were 100 years ago or even 75 years ago. In literacy lesson number four, right now, I want to talk about all the ways in which students are different and what it's like to be standing in front of a body of students, 24 or 30 students sometimes. I hate to refer to it always, but when I went to school, we just made the assumption that everybody was the same. We were all the same age. We all came from the same um, neighborhood, generally speaking. So people sort of lived their lives more or less the same way. Our parents, usually our, par our fathers worked or had businesses, and our mothers were stay-at-home. Man, are things different today. First of all, let's start with that. Today, most of the students that we have to cultivate learning skills with and to try to reach come from families where both mother and father work. They both hold down jobs, not now because of the pandemic, but just before and hopefully again. But if you're looking at this right now, they're not all working, but they were and they will be again. Most women today are not just stay-at-home moms. They have lives and increasingly they have careers. And it was just announced that the nomination for vice president uh, by one of the candidates for the presidency in the 2020 elections south of the border is a woman. So women can aspire to being at the very top of their professions. Aside from the fact that mothers often work in some families, and in oftentimes not to be surprised, the father is a stay-at-home and works from home, and the mother is the one that goes out. There is an increasing similarity between the roles. They share their roles the same way. Oftentimes, because so many men and women are in jobs that are not secure, there is an increasing number of workplaces that you don't have a job for life. People are often moving around, so there's a lot of mobility. You can go from one grade to another, and everybody is different. They're from new families that moved into the neighborhood. They're all different kids that never went to school together. Sometimes there are a, a group that stayed the same, but you are also dealing with a lot of children who have come from families that have moved from one city to another or one neighborhood to another. Sadly, 
for just exactly the same reasons. A lot of these children come from broken homes. There are children in every classroom where the father and the mother are divorced or separated or living common law with somebody or no longer married and raising a child alone. There's all kinds of ethnic diversity. We live in a global society and you can look around you in whatever city you live in and you can see people from all over the world. There's a lot of political instability in places like Southeast Asia and Latin America, South America, the Middle East, and families increasingly are looking for ways to make a better life for themselves and their family, and so they move. So there's a lot of children in the different kinds of, um, uh, not different kinds, different geographic areas that the students in a classroom have come from, come from, and they don't often speak English the same way or understand English even. In conjunction with the ethnic diversity, there's a lot of religious diversity. There are, there are Muslim children and Hindu children and Sikh children and Christian children and Jewish children. And our societies, fortunately, try to encourage those families from all over the world to feel free to practice their religion. And so you often have days when you have the Muslim children away because they're celebrating Eid. Or you have the, the Hindu children away because they're ce celebrating Diwali. Or the Jewish children don't want to participate in the Christmas activities because they're celebrating Hanukkah. There's also an increasing diversity sexually. We have made it possible, fortunately, for people to express their sexuality as they find it. So if they are gay or lesbian or they define themselves as neither male nor female or all of the other varieties in the LGBTQ plus spectrum. And those children, although they haven't maybe not identified that way yet, they come from families where their parents do, or their mother or their father. Families today have a diversity of interests. It's nothing to have a child who's got a modeling career, or a musical career, or an athletic career that takes them to practices in the morning or practices early in the afternoon or rehearsals out of town. And all of those things affect how we reach the students. There are also a wide diversity of skill development. We believe that it's best for children to be mainstream. So that in the classroom, if there's a child that is hearing impaired or visually impaired or is bound to a wheelchair, 
or all kinds of different diversities that way. All of them are in the classroom. So when a child who, as they become a little bit older, are aware of the fact that they're going to school with children from all these different backgrounds, with all these different interests and all these different um, identities, they all have to be taught. And they have to be taught usually by the same teacher. So in order to end this, let me talk a little bit about what that means. When we started school, my age mate, we were all reading from the same books. When we were in grade five, we had the book Breastplate and Buckskin. When we were in grade nine, we had Le Francais Vivre. We had the same textbooks, the same curriculum all around the province. And that happens all over North America today. So what does a child whose mother and father maybe identify as different genders or have a sexual identification that's different from each other. What do, how do you reach a child like that? How do you put a book for that child to read that appeals to nothing in that child's background? What do we do to lure in children into how they learn. In the next lesson, we'll talk about what it means to try to teach that diversity. It's not easy, that's for sure. But the only way in which we're going to succeed with each and every student, and for better or for worse, and I think it's for better, we believe that every child is entitled to be educated to the best of his or her ability, according to the things that they're interested in and cultivated because they're ways to open up a door to learning. How do we organize that in a classroom? What does it look like? We'll continue next day.